Now, if you have uh, your Bible, uh, turn back with me uh, to uh, John chapter 8, where Jesus uh, declares, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Uh, So a couple of weeks ago, uh, I was back uh, in Skye. Uh, and I was, was, as I was preparing for this, I was thinking of one of the iconic uh, buildings, the new tourist destinations uh, on uh, the Isle of Skye, Nice Point uh, Lighthouse, uh, familiar to some folks in our congregation. It's really uh, iconic for its setting. People will travel across the world uh, for the wonderful sunsets uh, you get there. Uh, of course, that wasn't why it was designed and built. It's been in operation since 1909. Its light shines uh, for 16 nautical miles. Its purpose uh, isn't so that folks can have pretty pictures, though that's a, a side benefit. Its purpose, of course, like every lighthouse, is to shine in the darkness. It's to reveal hidden danger, and it's to guide ships to safety. And so I was thinking about what Jesus said as the light of the world. I was thinking about that lighthouse and saying, There's so much connection there, and we'll think about that. Uh, But of course, the setting for John chapter 8 isn't Jesus uh, standing in front of a lighthouse. We have Jesus uh, in the temple courtyard with so many thousands of gathered worshippers for the Feast of Tabernacles. This autumn festival where uh, the people remembered and gave thanks for the fact that God provided the crops for them. And it was also a time when they would go and they would live in these tents or booths to remember that God had set them free from being slaves and taken them from the wilderness to the promised land. And so it was a time of great worship. And part of how they worshipped was that they would set up for giant lamps in the corners of the temple courtyards and they would celebrate and they would praise God under the lamplight. This glow would fill the city of Jerusalem. And and here is Jesus, and he's illuminated by these four great lamps, and he declares to the people, I am the light of the world. Again, as we said last week, this is a huge claim from Jesus. I am the Old Testament name of God. Jesus saying, I am God, and I am light. I'm light for the world. Some of us know science. I don't know science, but even at my basic level, I know light is vital for life. If you want there to be growth, you need light. When we need direction and guidance, we need to have light. Anyone who's been lost in the woods, anyone who's been stuck in a blackout situation, you know light is good for direction and for safety. So our plan for this morning is to think about this great saying of Jesus and to look at three aspects. To think about light and darkness, one of those many contrasts you get in John's Gospel. Uh, To think about light and revelation and to think about light and salvation. And we're going to use Jesus' words and we're going to do two things with those words. We're going to connect them with uh, the theme of light in the Old Testament. There's loads of uh, light teaching in the Old Testament. And we're going to connect them with other teaching from John's Gospel so that we'll have this this vision, I hope and pray, of of Jesus, the light of the world, that we might follow him together, uh, that we might be walking in the light. So let's begin with light and darkness. Um, I guess culturally, whether we have a Bible background or not, light and dark is a familiar contrast. 
Um, we think often about good and evil in those terms. Uh, we think of, of Western movies and, and white hats and black hats. Or, or perhaps, uh, for those of a particular generation, we think of Luke Skywalker uh, and uh, Darth Vader, the iconic man in black. Well, the Bible picks up that kind of light and dark theme from the very beginning. Uh, so we'll see on our screen some Bible texts, I think. Uh, so Genesis 1 it reminds us that when God created the world, he created it. Um, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty darkness. It was over the surface of the deep. And then God spoke the first words recorded in the Bible from God, let there be light. And that light was good. And that life was a source of life. And that light brought separation from darkness. Second book of the Bible, the book of Exodus, uh, finds at the beginning of that book, uh, Israel living as slaves in Egypt, and God has announced that he's going to let his people go. He's going to save them, and he's going to show his power with these 10 plagues, these acts of judgment on Pharaoh and Egypt. And the ninth of those plagues was a thick darkness for three days, a darkness that could be felt, felt by Egypt, but for Israel... They lived in the light. They were enjoying God's light. There was separation between light and darkness. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. In Jesus' coming, we are to appreciate Jesus is this gift of life and light from God. He is the one who is truly good. He is the one who is pushing back the darkness. And through faith in him, his people then live in God's light. As I said, John's gospel has a light and dark contrast theme. From the beginning, John chapter 1, uh, we find in verse 4 and verse 5. And again, the words, I think, were, are up there. Uh, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So here is Jesus, God's word, uh, the one who gives life, life-giving light to a world in darkness, a world in rebellion. There is this promise that the light will not be overcome by the darkness. The darkness is not able to comprehend, to fully understand God's light when it comes. But John announces Jesus is God's true light. There is no darkness in Jesus. Then Jesus, we see the full glory of God being displayed for us. That sounds like good news, but many people didn't receive it that way. Many people today still don't receive it that way. John chapter 3, after that famous verse, uh, verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. We find then in verse 19, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world. Jesus has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. So one of the pictures in John's gospel is of the world as this human system in rebellion against God, our creator. So Jesus comes as light, but what do people instinctively choose? They choose to hate the light and they choose darkness because they want to be exposed. 
Think about that idea of, of, of being exposed by light. And maybe you've seen this um, in your workplace, perhaps. Perhaps you or a, or a colleague does the right thing. You, you work and act with integrity, uh, but rather than, than facing applause, you find that people uh, become uh, really uh, harsh towards you or speak badly about you because their own failings have been exposed, and that's an uncomfortable thing. Jesus, in his perfection and, and with the glory of God, it reveals our imperfection, and, and that's something instinctively we don't want to, to deal with. And so many find themselves walking away, turning away. Jesus' perfect life is God's light for us. John says the world often chooses sin and darkness. Well, back to John chapter 8, Jesus announces when he says, I'm the light of the world, that light has dawned. Uh, But what happens in John's gospel shows that there is this conflict between light and dark, and it continues through the gospel. We see it in these chapters. We hear it in the, the doubts and the questions and the criticism and the opposition of religious leaders and the crowd. We pull beyond the time of Jesus to look at the whole sweep of church history, and we find that this conflict between light and dark continues. Jesus' followers who who live in the way of love, what happens so often? There is persecution, hatred, opposition, God's church marginalized. There are many countries where God's people are being persecuted today. Many followers of Jesus find themselves in prison today for nothing other than wanting to be faithful uh, to God's word, to Jesus as Savior. But it's not just out there where we see this battle between light and dark. We go to our own hearts, and don't we, don't we discover that that battle between light and dark continues there too? Don't we as Christians find that we struggle with sin? And though we live in the light, we find ourselves at times drawn to the dark side. Paul, the great apostle, would say that in Romans 7, as he found himself so often doing the things uh, he didn't want to do and unable to do the things that he wanted to do uh, because of this sin battle that still goes on in our hearts. Perhaps if you're here today, you're not a Christian, you recognize that battle because you find yourself at times being drawn to Jesus, but then wanting to resist his claims, not wanting to submit to him as Lord and to live for him. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And John's gospel speaks about the the conflict between light and dark in those different kingdoms. And, And it's a reminder that we must choose. Jesus says, follow me, whoever follows me. So we're being called to choose our kingdom, uh, to live in the light or to to walk in the way of darkness. Are we going to run to Jesus, the light, or run from his light because we don't want to be exposed? Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. It speaks to us of light and darkness, but it also speaks of light, secondly, light and revelation. Jesus has come to reveal Uh, certain things to us. Well, uh, verses 13 uh, to 20, um, as this uh, controversy, in a sense, uh, continues between Jesus and the Pharisees and some in the crowd, um, there's a sense that Jesus has made the claim and people are resisting immediately. Verse 13, the Pharisees challenged him. Here you are, appearing as your own witness. 
your testimony is not valid. They understand Jesus has just made a huge claim about himself. But their instinct to say, you can't just speak for yourself. You can't just make a claim like that. They put Jesus, in a sense, in a trial situation. Who are your witnesses to back up this huge claim you've just made? And so Jesus in chapter 8 is going to take the opportunity to again reveal his identity, uh, to again show his unique relationship with his Father, to show his uh, unique ability to reveal the glory of God. Look at what he says in verse 14. Even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid for two reasons. Jesus says, my word is enough. One, I know where I came from. And two, I know where I am going. Jesus appeals to his unique origin. He has come from the Father. He has come from the glory of heaven. And he talks about his unique destiny. He knows that he's returning to his Father. He's returning to his Father's presence. He's returning uh, to glory. And so he is able to speak for himself. Jesus knows though, that the crowd misunderstand. Verse 15, you judge by human standards. They judge by worldly standards. They ask him later, where's your father? Where's Joseph? They're blind to God's light. They're blind to the reality that Jesus is bringing, that he himself is the son of God. So verse 19, when they ask, where is your father? In that sense, they want to to bring him out to trial. Well, Jesus, if if you're talking about your father and saying he'll speak for you, well, we want to meet him to question him, not understanding that the Father is God himself. Uh, Some of us uh, have a a law background. Uh, Some of us just like watching crime dramas, perhaps. Um, And we probably recognize that in a criminal trial, um, when an expert witness can be found to give testimony, uh, often that proves to be the decisive point in a case. Uh, so a lawyer might travel the length of the country to find the right expert witness uh, to come and to give testimony in a particular case. Well, uh, Jesus is on trial here. And the question being asked is, is Jesus really the light of the world? Is he really showing us the life of God and the glory of God or not? And so Jesus says, I am the one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. So let's think about that for a moment. Let's think about the Father's testimony about Jesus that we find in the Bible, just in the Gospels. We go lots of places around the the, the Bible, but let's just stick to the Gospels. And let's think about Jesus' baptism. So Jesus is just about to begin his public ministry, and he comes to be baptized by John the Baptist. And what happens? Heaven is opened. The Spirit comes down in the form of a dove. And there's the voice from heaven. The Father speaks and he says, this is my son. I love him. I'm well pleased with him. There's the Father's testimony, direct from heaven. And then we can go to the transfiguration, that point where Jesus and three of his closest disciples go up a mountain. And there for a moment, it's as if the curtains of heaven are pulled back and Jesus shines with the full glory of God. And again, voice from heaven. This is my son. I love him. Listen to him. That's the father's testimony about the son. 
He's his son. He loves him. He's well pleased with him. And we should listen to him. Jesus speaks in chapter 8 again about his unique relationship with his father, which means Jesus uniquely reveals, we're thinking about revelation, Jesus uniquely reveals God to us. So some uh, verses. Chapter 8, verse 29. The Father who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. The actions of Jesus reveal God. Chapter 8, verse 42. If God were your father, you would love me, for I have come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. To love God, to know God, is to know and to love Jesus, his son. And Jesus makes that really explicit in chapter 10 and verse 30 when he says simply, I and the Father are one. I and the Father are one. So Jesus is saying, I am able and I uniquely reveal God to the world. To look at Jesus in the Gospels is to see the glory of God. And to listen to the words of Jesus is to listen to the words of God. To watch the actions of Jesus is to see the will of God. When Jesus dies on the cross, he's showing the Father's will to save sinners like us. It's no wonder he says, I am the light of the world, because he has that revealing quality. And that's why Jesus says, follow me. Follow me, because I alone can show you God, God's glory, God's plan of salvation. With Jesus, all human speculation stops. Because now we're dealing with God's revelation. And this is an idea that we can find throughout the Old Testament, this idea of following God and following God's glory. God's glory is light. So Exodus 13. So shortly after the ninth plague comes the tenth plague, and then the people are set free. And the reality for God's rescued people as they find themselves in the wilderness is that they are those who follow God. They follow God's light, the pillar of cloud by day, pillar of fire by night. This, this fire, this light, this revel was always ahead of them and directing them. Psalm 119, verse 105, God's word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. God's light is the light that we are to follow as the people of God. If we want to be guided in faith and obedience, we need to listen to God's word. And who is Jesus? He is the word who became flesh. And then there's wonderful, wonderful promise in Isaiah chapter 60 and verse 19. Hope to an exiled people, hope for us today. A wonderful picture. Isaiah 60 verse 19. The sun will no more be your light by day, nor will the brightness of the moon shine on you, for the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. Here is Jesus, I am light, the one who reveals a glory from God far greater than the sun that shines in the sky. Jesus says, I am the one to follow. I am the voice to listen to. I am the glory to see and to believe. 
the reality that we see uh, in the crowds, the reality that we need to recognize today is that it's entirely possible to see the light but not respond properly to that light. Uh, let me share uh, a story uh, from a naval officer uh, by the name of Frank Koch. Uh, he was uh, serving uh, on a, a naval battleship, uh, one of those huge uh, battleships on routine uh, maneuvers uh, in the ocean uh, when the weather turned and the weather was like truly uh, awful for three days. They had uh, virtually no visibility, the waves so big they were crashing uh, over the boat. And then one day, day four, uh, a lookout report came uh, to say, Captain, light on starboard. I have no idea which way starboard is. Let's imagine it's that way, light on the starboard. Uh, and the reply uh, from the captain, uh, then as soon as he heard about this light, he wanted to send a message. And the message he wanted to ask was, is it stationary? Uh, or is it moving? Is it moving astern? Is it turning? Uh, and the reply from the lookout was, it's stationary. Uh, so now the captain knows, hold on a minute. Now, uh, this light is, is directly in our path. We're heading for a collision. So he knows action needs to be taken. So he sends a signal uh, over to this other light. And he says uh, in his signal, I advise you to change course 20 degrees east. And he waits a few moments, and a response flashed back. I advise you to change course 20 degrees west. Okay, the captain is not best pleased at this. The captain gets really mad. He starts uh, claiming uh, his title. I, I'm a captain. The, the reply flashed back. I'm a captain of a battleship. Change your course. And the reply came back a few moments later. I'm a lighthouse. Change your course. So important to respond to the light. So important. Today, I wonder if there are some of us here, we've seen the light. We, we've heard the teaching of Jesus. We've seen his glory in the Gospels, the glory of his truth and of his love. But still, we won't change course. Still, we are uh, living in the darkness. There's another call to believe in him to see our need of him, eh, to follow and to believe. I think it's a reminder too for us who are followers of Jesus, it is crucial for our day-to-day -day life that we are following Jesus' light. We're living in the light. We're trusting in him as the Son of God, as our Savior, that we be listening to, obeying, applying God's Word to our hearts uh, together as we gather for worship, together as families uh, and as individuals, that we be hearing and responding and living in the light, that we'd be worshiping. So before we move on uh, from this, we need to remind ourselves too of our future hope as it connects with light. So remember, at Psalm 60, where it said, there'll be no more sun because uh, the glory of God will be the everlasting light. Well, you can go to, to Revelation 21, second last chapter in the Bible, verse 23, picks up that same image uh, to say to us in the new heavens and the new earth, the glory of God and the glory of the Lamb are the light of God's kingdom. There is no need for the sun. There's no need for the moon. For there's this greater light of glory. 
as followers of Jesus, that's our great hope that we will live bathing in the light of that glory. But until that day, what are we called to? We're called to walk in the light. We're called to follow Jesus until we see his glory fully revealed. Now, moving from there to the last thing I want us to notice, to think about the connection between light and salvation. Uh, So we'll move to to verses 21 uh, to 30. And to think about a couple of warnings that that also uh, by faith become promises. Verse 21, Jesus says, I'm going away and you'll look for me and you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. And in verse 24, very similar. I told you that you would die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am he, you will indeed die in your sins. So there is a a severe warning there to fail to, to believe and to respond is to die in our sins. But there's also a promise uh, that if we believe in Jesus, we will live, we will have forgiveness, we will live in his life. We will know salvation from God. And the Bible makes a really strong connection between light and salvation. Uh, We sung uh, Psalm 27, verse 1, the Lord's my savior and my light who will make me uh, afraid. Isaiah 9, verse 2, familiar words as we prepare for Christmas. Often the people walking in darkness have seen great light. Again, promise to an exiled people, to a far away from God people, that the light of God's salvation would shine on them again as God's Savior would come. And that Savior, Isaiah 49, verse 6, he would be a light for the Gentiles, that salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Jesus didn't come just to be the Savior for a few small people in one particular country. He came uh, to bring the promise, the invitation, the hope of salvation to all peoples of the world. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in the darkness, but have the light of life. That's that's salvation language. To, To follow Jesus is to be saved, is to know God's life and God's joy and God's love. To recognize he is that promised savior, to recognize he is the only hope for the world. It's that belief that that encourages us, despite whatever challenges uh, that we feel internally or opposition outside of ourselves, that that encourage us to continue uh, with mission, continues uh, to encourage us to share our faith, to support global mission, because Jesus is the light of the world, and knowing him brings us to know the light of life. How will this salvation come? will the salvation come? Look with me at verse 28. So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He and that I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. Salvation comes in the lifting up of Jesus, the Son of Man. Double meaning there lifted up. Jesus would be lifted up, wouldn't he, physically on the cross to die? But Jesus at the same time would also be exalted and raised up in glory. The cross is the great lifting up of Jesus as the Son of God and as God's promised Savior. In that lifting up, it reveals, as Jesus says, I am he 
I am the one God promised from the very beginning of the Bible, Genesis 3, all the way through the Old Testament, the promised Savior. She said, I am he. I have come to accomplish that plan, the waiting. How will God save people for himself? The waiting is over. Jesus would, would come as the light of the world and as light, he would win that victory of light over darkness on the cross, defeating his enemies and ours. Satan, death, sin, swallowed up by Jesus. It all connects to his hour. John's gospel talks a lot about his hour. Verse 20 said Jesus' hour had not yet come. This hour that dominates John's gospel is the hour of Jesus' suffering and death and resurrection and return to glory. So the cross is part of that journey, part of that hour that was planned by God the Father for God the Son. And that hour reveals his glory to us, the glory of his salvation. So to go back to verse 21 and to go back to verse 24, the promise of Jesus as Savior is that if we believe, we'll not die in sin because there is forgiveness in him. And we will go where he goes. And where is Jesus going? He's going back to his Father's presence. And Jesus would say, I'm going uh, to my Father's house to prepare a place for my people. And if I go, I'll come back and I'll take them to be with me. that We may live together forever in joy and in the light of God's glory. Jesus came, the light of the world, and he would die in the darkness. Good Friday. But the dawning of the first light of Easter Sunday, he was risen in glory and victory and power so that all who believe in him might live in his light also. So let's again close with an invitation to reflect, to Do you, do I, do we want to live in the light or in the darkness? Um, We've begun uh, reading uh, Lord of the Rings uh, with our eldest. And if you've you've seen the movies or read the book, uh, perhaps one of the the, the standout characters uh, that you'll remember is is Gollum. Uh, Gollum who finds uh, the ring of power. Gollum who chooses the dark places, doesn't he? Gollum who chose to make his home under the mountains, Gollum, who in time comes to to hate the sunlight. We see this in the crowds in Jesus' day. Jesus comes as the light of the world and many hated him. They chose the dark places. They turned their back on Jesus. They wouldn't believe in him, exposed to the light of his glory. They wanted nothing to do with him. They wanted rid of him that they might continue to live their own lives. There is a sense of of tragedy when we read the Gospels, as we see uh, some of the wrong responses to Jesus. Here is the one who would give true life and light and joy and beauty and, and peace. But men and women turned away from him, from the Son of God, from his revelation of truth and glory, from the salvation that he offers. Let me say to each one of us here today, let's not follow them on that path. Let's not miss the light of Jesus. Let's be those who will admit our sin, 
admit our need, who'll believe in Jesus and come to him in repentance and faith. Let's follow Jesus, the light of the world, the one who came and defeated darkness, revealing the light of God's glory and will, the one who brings salvation. Let's live in his light today. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for sending Jesus to be the light of the world. Just as we need the light of the sun for life, so we need life and light that comes from Jesus, your son. We thank you for his willingness to suffer and die, even as we'll shortly, as your people share the Lord's Supper, as we'll remember the cost of our salvation. We thank you that, Father, you are willing to send your Son in your love. We thank you for Jesus' willingness to come and to demonstrate your love and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Lord, help us to respond to his light and to his truth. May to come to him for salvation and to live with faith and obedience in him. Please help us in that. And we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, let's sing together. We'll actually sing a section that we, we began with our call to worship from Psalm 36. And we're going to sing a section of that together. We'll stand uh, to sing. Uh, and as we're standing, our, our boys and girls will come back uh, in uh, to join.